It's a line that's been used before, but when it comes to Randy Naughton, it definitely applies because we were colleagues, then we became friends, and ultimately it felt like family. Randy and I worked together in TV for a number of years in the sports department before she switched over to morning news at Fox 2. We did radio together for about five years at KTRS, so her retirement from TV has me nostalgic to the early days in the sports office for me. Summer of 1997, Mark McGuire arrived in town. Dick Vermeil's first year with the Rams. Brett Hull was still on the Blues. And when I got to the, the station, Randy was the one showing me around, taking me down to the ballpark, always confident. And when you were the new guy in town, going down to Bush Stadium, being around professional players, it was a little intimidating. I had been in Madison where it was, you know, largely college sports, high school sports. We did some stuff with the Packers, but – Randy took me under her wing from day one, and she was always a great friend. She's retired from TV, but she's still going to be doing radio and voice work, and you'll see her all around town and doing events. But done with the morning grind of, no pun intended there, the morning grind of getting up at 2 a.m. or maybe being at work at 2 a.m. or leaving home, whatever it is. Just an insane schedule for anybody. Trying to normalize that is just not possible. So she's done with TV but she is the guest on the Kilcoin Conversation and a lot of fun talking about how the teams and athletes treated her. It was a different time when women were covering sports. It was rare 30 years ago. Very common these days, but it was a different time back then. So our conversation uh, at a neighborhood Starbucks. You might hear the baristas in the background. We should get a little sponsorship with Starbucks. But we have great sponsors. Triad Bank. You hear me talking about them all the time. If you need a home loan, car loan, business loan, they're based in St. Louis. It's real simple. They can get things done because they know the current climate. They know the local scene. Jim Regnan, the CEO, went to Rosary. That's about as St. Louis as it gets. Then he went to Umsel. He's the CEO. He's got a great team. So if you're in the market for a new loan, a new bank, <coughs> excuse me, check out my good friends at Triad Bank. They're in Frontenac on Clayton Road, also the second location on Olive, west of 270, and on the web at triadbanking.com. Marie de Villa Senior Living. They're located at the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. Beautiful spot in West County. 60-acre campus since 1960. The premier spot for your retirement years. Whatever type of home you're looking for. They have a villa estate. Basically living in your own home. But you have all the facilities available to you. All the great food. Assisted living. Every level of care right there at Marie de Villa. Take a virtual tour online. B&G Tuck Pointing, you've heard me say it, they are the best in the bricks. What does that mean? Well, if you have a brick home and the tuck pointing is falling apart, you need to make your home look new again, these folks are the best. Great examples online at BG Tuck Pointing, where they take bgtuckpointing.com, take something that's falling apart and make it look new again. They also do waterproofing, foundation repair, all of that at B&G Tuck Pointing. Call my guy, Rich Galati, 363-0525. 363-0525 is the number to call. Appliance Discounter is a great St. Louis success story. You can get your next refrigerator, washer, dryer at the lowest price with a big-name brand. Get it delivered quickly. Don't wait months. We're talking about days. They're able to do that because they have the 80000 square foot warehouse in downtown St. Louis. So it's delivered quickly. That's what people want to hear these days. On the web, theappliancediscounters.com. Check out all the great General Electric merchandise, GE rebates available, 
All of it delivered quickly. TheAppliancedisCounters.com, where their savings are your savings. And now my visit with Randy Naughton. You wouldn't believe it. She's let herself go. Uh, doesn't look like she's, you know, showered or bathed in day. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's Randy Naughton and the first question. In retirement, what time did you get up today? 4.45. You slept in. I did sleep in, yeah. And is, the, that, is this, are you going to, how long is it going to take to break that cycle? Oh gosh, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't slept past something like that for 20-something years. But the three previous mornings, I woke up at 3. <laughs> and literally can't go back no, to sleep. No, because my brain gets going, and I check the email, and I look at the weather, and blah, blah, blah. So then I get up and feed the dogs and kind of do all that. What about, and this is really probing sports conversation, what about falling asleep? Now, if you want to stay up till midnight, could you? I could if I wanted to, but like yesterday, my daughter asked me to go for a walk at... 7 p.m. and I'm like initially I said oh I can't I have to oh no I can't I can so I went and for and then I was getting a little bit sleepy about eight or nine so and I will I'll be able to stay up and watch games now I remember years after he retired Dick Ford said I don't miss it he said the only time I do is when there's a really big story yeah and he said I remember the energy of coverage on a big story we're gonna be live and there's the breaking news yeah. and all that and I I don't know, I'm guessing, is that sort of where you think it'll lead? I thought about that this morning when we had the torrential rains, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the newsroom must be alive and crazy. We thrive on breaking news, as you know, especially in the morning. Terrible time for that to hit. So, yeah, I was kind of feeling a little nostalgic this morning. And Then you rolled over and went back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) No, I got out of bed and I got to work. All right, so I know you very well. We did radio for five years. We were in the sports department at Fox 2. But I don't know if I've ever asked, did you want to be... A sportscaster. I know you were in radio and entertainment, yeah. but as a kid, did you watch Phyllis George or do any of these women in sports and say, I wouldn't mind doing that? I absolutely watched a lot of sports, and I credit my dad with that. We used to go to watch college basketball games, Canisius, St. Bonaventure, Niagara University. We used to do all that and, of course, watch it all on TV. You know, the Buffalo Bills, the Yankees, I was a big fan of that. Um I was just a natural fan, and I still am. I mean, I had three brothers, and in my bedroom, I had the Sunday paper insert of the Buffalo News of the entire Buffalo Bills team on my wall, offense and defense. Joe Delamalure. Joe Delamalure, Reggie McKenzie, Joe Ferguson, uh, Bobby Chandler. I mean, I can name, name the whole roster. My brothers didn't have that, but I did. So I was a fan, and I think it was born of that. I don't think I was... I think I was kind of aware of female sportscasters, but it didn't say that's something I want to do. I think I called you bold and brassy. Yeah. I, the, the, the paper, Dan Caesar saw what I said on TV. I think I said sassy and classy, but then somewhere we got into brassy. I'll take it all. But were you, when you started in sports, it's St. Louis, it's a professional town, were you ever intimidated yeah. or nervous? Absolutely. I mean, sure. I mean, I've never managed a baseball game. I've never coached a single period of hockey, you know, or a quarter of football. I'm just a fan, and I know what I know, what I know, and I don't know what I don't know. And when I came into sports, Bill Barra was the news director at the time, and there was the 1994 Olympic Festival. I don't know if you remember that. It was prelude to the Olympic Games. And they were short a person in sports, and I just saw the opportunity. I went in there, and I said, let me do it. He goes, have you ever reported sports before? No, I'm a fan, and I know how to ask questions. Plus, the guys doing it don't seem that sharp in the first place. (laughs) 
I think plus, I can handle this. Plus, these dum-dums uh, need me. So, yeah, then, then they gave me a shot and liked what I did. And I, it was met with resistance in and out of the building. You know, some people didn't like, well, who's she, you know? She's from New York. What does she know about St. Louis sports? And, you know. Where'd you go to high school? <laughs> Wilson Central High School. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it was met with resistance. And some of the jerks are still working in this business in this town. Um, but what would they, you could name if you want, but what did they do? Did they say, you don't belong here, or did you get a vibe? How did it play out? Well, the weekend sports anchor at the time, Jeff Cauley, I was being sent to cover the Blues in Vancouver in the playoffs, and he protested loudly. What, he, what her? You're sending who? Why? Her? What is she? And I'm like, dude, I'm right here, right? <laughs> Come on. Um, there was another guy who I will not name, but from another station who still works in this market, and I was asking some of the Rams players to come on live during our 6 p.m. newscast, because you know you're on deadline, and I'll meet you at 618, and we'll be on it, and you'll be out of there at five minutes. Okay. This person went up to that player and said, don't go on TV with her. Nobody watches them. They watch us. And I heard it was happening a couple of times, and I busted him one time. Well, believe you me, I read him the riot act in the middle of the locker room, and all the guys going, oof, she got you. <laughs> so. And he remains unnamed. Oh, wait, it was Frank. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, who it was. Because I, I can't see you being intimidated. Although, I mean, with fellow media, no way. But what about athletes, like, walking in there? And, and you know, listen, I'm a male. It's still kind of weird walking into a locker room mm-hmm. because it's their place to shower and clean up it's still kind of a weird deal for all of us yeah I prefer not to have had to do that I still would prefer not to do that but I always made a point of announcing myself on the floor you know the 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 clubhouse attendant at Bush Stadium or the person who handles the locker room at Rams Park um the PR people can you announce that a female is coming on the floor so they go female on the floor female on the floor so the guys would go either they would cover up or they would leave or none of the above. And it's like, well, that's their choice. I'm a big girl. You know, I found my interview and left. So, you know, I saw some things, let's be honest. Um, but I did my work and left. Were the players uh, always polite or nice? And see, my theory is, especially now, and granted, it's changed a lot. It's more commonplace for a right. female in a clubhouse setting. I think the players are typically nicer to them because they have a mom, a wife, a daughter. Right. They're nicer to the. To the guys, are like, get the hell out of my face, Martin. Like, yeah, no, I would... I, was, I don't know back then if that would have been the vibe. It, it was, and I felt I had to work harder to earn their respect a little bit. And one way I really learned this, dealing with some of the football players and the baseball players, you know, I, I love animals and I love kids, and I'd see family photos in their locker, and I'd say, oh, my gosh, your wife is so pretty, and oh, my gosh, your son is adorable. Is that your dog? And we get to talking about that type of stuff. Not getting too personal, but... A little bit of a connection where they could see, you know what, I, I'm I'm not trying to get the big scoop or something exclusive. I just want my soundbite. Any players particularly. So I started in 97. Cardinals weren't very good, but we would go down there. People don't realize you were in the field before you're sitting at the desk every morning. Yeah. Before I was at the desk. I was in the field a ton. And the guy I remember specifically was Brian Jordan being so polite because I had to go down there every day, and you needed something. Right. And five times out of ten, he'd say, "Sure, no problem." And then the, or maybe seven out of ten, but the times he couldn't, he would always just say, "Hey, if it's okay, today's not the best day." That's or, very nice. And I'd say, "Absolutely." And my rule has always been, because I don't like rude people, 
I'll be polite. Just be polite back. It doesn't right. hurt. And nobody has to do any interview. They, if they're like, hey, I'm busy. I got to go hit. Listen, they got to go hit a home run. I get it. I just remember him being overly polite and handling it the right way. Hey, today's not the best day. No problem. Moving on. Right. And there are plenty of people who did that in all of the sports. All of them. Hockey, the racing folks, they're great. Um, I remember specifically Ray Lankford would say, oh, no, man, I got to stretch. I'll get you after I stretch. But then after he stretches, I'd be waiting and waiting and waiting, and then he would breeze right by me, right? Or they Mark, all do that. Yeah, Mark McGuire one time in spring training. I'm the only one there. I think it was in St. Pete, and um, yeah, he, it was. He would have been Jupiter probably, but it's Ju- right. Jupiter. For, for Mark, I, I can't yeah. remember. I'm the only one there. Everyone else had left. He's on the field. Da 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 da. And I'm asking him, hey, Mark, can I get a quick... He gave me that steely, nasty, stink-eye stare with those yellow-green eyes and just walked right by me. And I just turned around and said, what a jerk, with an earshot. Um, Don't, you know, at least acknowledge my question. And then another time, when right when interleague play started, it was the Mariners and the Cardinals. And and was it Ken Griffey Jr., right? He's there. Lou Pinello was was the manager. And, and, and I'm asking Ken Griffey Jr., hey, man, can I get a quick soundbite with you? Can I get a quick interview? And he just stand there, and he stared at me. He goes, I don't want to. But then he went and talked to some other dudes, right? I'm like, what is, what is your problem? I, I want two minutes of your time. Can I just get a... So he said, only if Lou Pinella says I can. Well, you best believe I went over to Lou Pinella. <laughs> he didn't know who he's messing with. <laughs> I, went over, I said, listen... He said he won't talk to me unless you say so. And he goes, Junior, get over there and talk to her. So he did. Wow. This, <laughs> now, this is just triggering so many different thoughts. First of all, I'm going to, this is about Randy on, but I'm thinking of a moment. It was Wrigley Field. I was there for Interleague, and I was working in Madison, Wisconsin. We covered the Brewers. Right. Brewers were still in the American League, so they're playing the Cubs. So it's really exciting. American League, National League. And my. Really good friend, Lance Allen, is a TV guy in Milwaukee. He's on the same field, Wrigley Field. He's interviewing Harry Carey. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Who better to comment on this historical night than Harry Carey? So I politely held my microphone in kind of low, like way below their microphone, just so I could get the sound bite <coughs> without interfering. You were piggybacking off Piggyback. of somebody else's interview. Correct. But you kind of, we do that in sports. Like you, Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, you glob on. And in... I learned a really valuable lesson because you have to really read the room. When it like if it's the manager, everybody just kind of shoves their mic in. Right. And, but it was Harry Carey. So anyway, I, I do this with my microphone, and he goes, "Well, you're a rude young man." <laughs> now he doesn't know that I know Lance, the guy interviewing. And now Lance is cracking up because he knows it's me. I'm in Madison. He's a Milwaukee guy. Here we're at Wrigley Field, and Harry Carey's like. Well, what are you doing shoving a mic? And I said, well, I'm sorry, sir. I was just trying to get the same answer. I was wrong, and I, I handled it poorly. I was young and stupid. But I was tr- <laughs> but I was trying to be really polite about it. And he calls me a rude young man, and now That's awesome. my friend is laughing. And, I, and so I start walking away with my photographer. And, and your I, tail between your legs. And, and yes, humiliated. It's Harry freaking Carey. And I'm walking away, and Harry had a handler. A younger woman would kind of walk him around the field. And I can hear her say... Harry, where are you going? We're done now. We're going to go up. We're going upstairs. He said, well, I, I'm going to go talk to that rude guy. <laughs> and I'm like 10 like feet away. Like have a talking to or interview? Well, no, interview. He wants to do it. So I turn around, and then we have a nice conversation. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, 
in media a lot of times, especially at the ballpark, we just kind of all do what we call a scrum. You know, you get in on the same interview. Right. Everybody, that way the player or the person doesn't have to talk again and again and again. And they usually like it. A player would be like, wait, let's all do this at once. And he said, well, I want to I wanna talk to somebody one at a time. And I said, even better. And then right, he, right. And they gave me the interview. That's awesome. And it was about a year later he died. And now I'm working in St. Louis. And I get home from spring training because I believe he died in February. I get home with my answering machine. That's how long ago this was. The day he died, my friends are leaving me voicemails. I'm answering. Well, you're a rude young. <laughs> oh That's all they can remember. And you'll, and you'll never live it never down. Never live you'll it down. You'll always have that moment. Uh, but then you mentioned McGuire spring training. So Marshall Falk one year, it was our gimmick, but he was our sports reporter at spring training. I remember. It was a great idea. I think it was mine. But he was willing to do it, and he was living in like Fort Lauderdale area. So he was nearby. And one of the pieces we really wanted was him interviewing Mark McGuire, two biggest stars in St. Louis. Right. And if we could dust that baby off, put it on YouTube, people would still love it. Because Marshall was an aspiring broadcaster. So we set the whole thing up, and Mark McGuire, of course, was difficult, but it's Marshall At Paul. times. Yeah. Well, when he, I will say this. When he came back, after he talked about his steroid right. use with Costas. He was a changed man. He, as the hitting coach, he was great. Right. And it was, and Tony LaRusso always told me he's really got a good personality, he's really a great guy, and I said, well, we just don't see it. He never saw that. And But when he came back as the hitting coach, he was great. He really, it totally, whatever. Well, that monkey was off his Correct. back, I right? I think for sure. So now Marshall's there, the photographer's there, spring training practice is over, he's got to go lift or whatever, it's fine. We're sitting at the player's table in the clubhouse, waiting, I'd say an hour and a half. And Marshall Falk is like the reigning MVP. And he's like. <laughs> he's keeping him waiting. And he's like, Martin. Is this what you do all day, sitting around? I said, yes. I said, waiting for people waiting for like, you, like you. Like yeah. you. I said, you cannot complain about this. I said, you're as guilty as anybody of this kind of diva stuff. And he said, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm never going to make you guys wait again. I said, oh, bullshit. I said, <laughs> so like the next year at Rams Park, I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're waiting. And, so, and then McGuire came out and did the interview. And. Listen, he probably has a routine where he goes right. in and watches film, whatever they do. And I, I do respect that. But I've always wondered about if there were any... You mentioned Joe Torre. I wasn't here for Joe Torre, but right. you said he was great to you. He was so lovely. He knew I was new. And this was before... This, wait, this is after Whitey, then Joe Torre, then came LaRusso. Yep. Right. So Joe Torre was the kindest man to me. He was accommodating and lovely and polite and decent and respected my questions, no matter how stupid, um, answered them, gave me great information, and I will always, always be grateful to him for welcoming me, because he knew I was new, he knew I was outnumbered with the boys, and he just showed me respect. Not that I wanted to be put up on a pedestal because you I'm don't the want, girl. And you don't want special treatment no, either. And you don't no. want sympathy either. No, none of the above. Right. But he was just, he just treated me normally. And, you know, he set the tone. And, and so when I ran into rude people, whether they be, you know, rude, you know, players or coaches or whomever, I was like, oh, well, you're not like Joe Torre. Joe Torre is really nice. <laughs> so he was great. And you and LaRusso bonded because of your love of animals. Right, so you have right. How many dogs? What, do you got like eight dogs at your house? No, 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 no. I'm down to two. Down to two. <laughs> no, and uh, we, we, we did bond over that. But when it came to baseball, you know, he'd call my ass out for a stupid yeah. question like anybody's business, yeah. you know? Um, well, that's, that, that's a dumb, do your, that's a dumb <laughs> question. <laughs> This is what people don't understand. Like, and Tony could be great, but if he's in a bad mood, look out. Yep. 
I was down there as a young reporter and uh, Matt Weiner at Channel 5 right. at the time. Now he's on NBA TV and being at ESPN. But he and I are about the same age and we were kind of new at the same time. We were always down there getting ready to get nukes. We never knew what was going to happen. Yeah, you never knew. And there's a post game with Tony. And it was, it was the setup now is so much better. It used to be at his desk. Right. And so you're leaning over with your microphone. Knocking over picture yeah. frames. Yeah, and you feel like a jerk. Like you just knocked <laughs> over his picture of him and some five-star general. or right. something, you know. And so, or someone in a, a fog hat or something yes, like that. Yes, the, the basis for Deep Purple. <laughs> but we're all in on the scrum. And now here comes Matt Weiner over the top with his microphone in his Channel 5. And he's leaning in because it's hard to get that distance to the manager. And Tony just goes, nope, not talking to Channel 5 today. And Matt goes, okay. And like, <laughs> like walks out. And later I go, Matt, what's that about? He goes, I have no idea, but Tony just said, not talking to Channel 5 yeah, today. Yeah, you just never knew what you were yeah. going to get. But I will say, and we could get off on a lot of tangents, he did, he always said he would turn the page. I would see him nuke a writer, like with F-bombs, and just like go out, and they'd get into a huge argument, and the next day they'd be sitting next to each other, telling stories, giving sound bites. I'm like, I did respect that. Yeah, very much so. And you, and you, I think as a manager, you have to because there are people who are going to try to get one over it. You know, the slick little journalist who thinks he's smarter than everyone else in the room, of which there are plenty of those. Um, and he and he could sniff you out of a crowd in, in a heartbeat. You know, I, I've told this story when Mike Shannon retired, another one of your good buddies. When I was relatively new, I was talking to Shannon in the tunnel, and then I was supposed to tape something with Larusa, and he's like, "You ready? You ready?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said. I said, you know, Shannon and I went to the same high school. I was bragging. I was new. That was my claim to fame. And I said, you know, he, he really likes me. I said, he's even got a nickname. He's calling me Big Boy. And Larissa goes, you realize he calls everybody Big Boy. <laughs> I'm totally deflated. Uh, you, never, you never made Joe Torrey cry. You no. never made Tony LaRusso cry. You made Dick Vermeil cry. Yeah, and this I, is a famous story. And, I, okay, who didn't make Dick Vermeil cry? I right. get that. But recount that story for people because this is classic. Well, it was the – it was the it was the – tragic story of Lawrence Phillips you know this star running back out of Nebraska and and the wonderful draft pick for the Rams and you know the kid had so much potential but his life was a terrible awful sad mess and we all know what happened to Lawrence getting arrested and eventually dying in prison but I think one time we were at a scrum as you call it out at Rams Park in Earth City and it was one of the incidents that Lawrence had and I just asked him Point, I think they point. had to cut him at that point, maybe. They had to cut him, right, right. They had to cut him. And this particular instance ended up in a documentary about Lawrence Phillips with me saying, you seem sad. Are you sad? Sort of like a dad who's disappointed in a son. And here came the waterworks. And, and Rick Smith, you could see him behind him. Guy, he started yeah. crying. He goes, you're damn right I'm sad. Yeah. You're damn right. And then he started crying, and Rick Smith goes, uh, time to go. <laughs> yeah, so he yanks the coach out of there because no. he knew the crying was coming. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's a fair question, and it was an honest, raw response, yeah. which is what you get with Coach Vermeil. It's such a sad story, yeah. though. Just so disappointing. And how about when the Rams got here? That was an exciting time, wasn't it? I mean, I was, you were in the sports office. The team comes. It's like, oh, my God, we got I the NFL. I was there the day they stepped off the bus at, was it, Park, Parkway or? North High School oh, uh, for their Park first. Central, maybe? Or no, North? it's the one along 141. I think Parkway Central. It's Central. I was there. I was there. I saw the first thing that shocked me was I saw number 55 Shane Conlon, who used to be on the Buffalo Bills. He was a mere speck of a man. He was thin. And I'm like, what happened? Oh, my God. That's Shane. Why is he so smaller? Well, apparently at the time, we found out he had a parasite. 
And I'm like, oh, damn. Um, but anyway, I was there on the field there. Then we went to Matthews Dickey. And then we went to Rams Park. So I followed him everywhere. And when you got out of sports, you're doing morning news starting in 99, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's the year they take off. Was there ever a time? Now, you still did plenty of sports-related coverage. Was there ever a time when the Rams were really good that you felt, man, I'm, how did I miss out on this? Um, no, because, you know, we were all in on, we are your home of the Rams. Fox 2 was in, all in on the Rams. So, again, they gave me, they deferred to me for any sports stories in the morning. They sent me to Super Bowls. They did all that good stuff. So, it, um, no, I felt like, and, and it took me a while to be able to go to any game as a fan because I'm like, all I remember is schlepping the tripod down on the turf and in the tunnels and waiting in the heat. And it's work, as you know. And um, it took me a while to become a fan again, but I turned into a fan again. All right, I know I've embellished stories over the years, but let's recap. Your daughter, Alex, wants to meet Mark McGuire. Right. She's, you're in the dugout, and you tell her, don't even bother. Well, here's the thing. Her sixth birthday, I was telling her, Willie McGee's her favorite player. She said, Mom, I want to meet Willie McGee. So I keep telling Willie McGee when he was playing, my daughter loves you. She's six. Don't ask me how or why. She knows you, but she loves you. He goes, you bring her to the ballpark. I want to meet her. I'm like, okay. So for her sixth birthday, she said, Mom, she's 29 now. She says, Mom, I want to I want to go to, to work with you, and, and I want to meet Willie McGee. I'm like, okay. And she goes, am I allowed to ask for autographs? I said, yes. I'm not allowed to do it. It's against the rules. You need to use your manners. Um, and I said, just, just, just be aware that some people won't do it. They're busy. They're at work. She said, even Mark McGuire... I said, well, maybe especially <laughs> Mark McGuire. Sometimes he can be kind of crabby. So I said, but don't take it personally. It's just him being busy. We go to the ballpark. It's great. Willie's out there stretching. He sees me with my girl. He gets up, comes and give her a big old bear hug. Happy birthday, little one. Goes into the clubhouse, gets her ice cream and water. I get some great photos. And then we get some more autographs on the ball. She's asking with her manners, which I was proud of her. And, um... Here comes Mark, you know, this lumbering monster of a man up the steps at Old Bush. I go, Alex, there's there's Mr. McGuire. I said, use your manners. So she looked up at him with two hands. Mr. McGuire, can I have your autograph? And he looks over at me. I go, it's, it's my daughter. It's her birthday. And he uh, takes the ball. He goes, oh, how old are you? Six. Takes the ball, signs it, pats her on the head, says happy birthday. Doesn't get one step away from me and her. See, Mom, he wasn't crabby like you said he was. <laughs> and, of course, here comes the stink eye again. It's, that's, I love that story. Oh. And it's absolutely true. Out of the mouths of babes. All right, so in your lifetime, you've accomplished a lot. Will the Buffalo Bills win a Super Bowl? This might be the year. This might be Let's the year. Let's not jinx it. And yep. now that I can actually stay up and watch games, the season opener. The season opener is a Thursday night game with the Bills in L.A. against my husband's favorite team, the L.A. Rams. What the hell is wrong with Brian? I don't know. I don't. He doesn't know. even like sports, and no, he likes the Rams. No, he likes the Rams. So it's there's going to be a lot of prop bets going on in my house, to say the least. And um, I'm actually going to Buffalo for their home opener on Monday Night Football against the Titans. My sister, when we went to the Kansas City game, 13-second game, don't get me started on that. 
Um, she decided then and there she's buying season tickets. And I said, I'm in. We're going. So that's going to be fun. And will you be out there tailgating before? The oh, hell yes. Look for those videos on social media. I won't be slamming them down any tables, but heck yes, I'll be there. Well, Naughty, great to see you. I'm sure I'll see more of you now. You Can I tell up. you one last story? You know, I yeah, threw up. Story you know, I you know I threw oh, up yes. the yes. first pitch a week ago or so. So I get in the yard with my husband. Former major league pitcher. And not only former major league pitcher, Brian was what, like the third overall yeah. pick? Okay. A 1982 college pitcher of the year and the third overall pick ahead of Dwight Gooden, I think, in what is it, 82, 83? Oh, um, they really blew that pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mets. I know. But anyway, my brother, <laughs> my brother says I ruined his arm. But anyway, um, <laughs> we get out in the yard, we step off, you know, 60 feet, six inches. He goes, Are you sure you can throw it that far? I said, I, I think I can. I got a pretty good arm. So he's there, and I toss it to him. He goes, whoa, I got to go get my glove. I go, shut up. No, you don't. I threw it kind of hard. He did. He dug his glove out, his fielder's glove out, for the first time in literally 35 years. So we, And I'm up on a berm where the, the mound is raised, and I'm throwing, I'm throwing, three, four days. He goes, you got this. This is, this is great. So on the 15th, Mike Shannon's birthday, we have Mike Shannon on the air with us at Fox 2 talking about his new book. He goes, I hear you're throwing out the first pitch. Yeah, I am. Good luck to you. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thanks, Mike. I get off the air. I get a text message from Mike. Call me when you're off the air. I said, okay. So I call him up after I'm off the air. I'm like, what's going on, Mike? He said, whatever you do tonight, don't pitch from the mound. I said, what do you mean? I've been practicing 60 feet, 6 inches. I got, I got this. My husband says, he goes, don't do it. It's farther than you look. Pitch from the flat part. I said, but my husband says, he said I did okay. And he goes, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> so. Because he's probably seen a million people bounce into the plate. Right, right. And they only, they do multiple first pitches. So we go out there that night. I'm throwing to Packy Naughton, Cardinals Very pitcher, cool. which is adorable. Um, lovely young man. Calling my cuz. So... I tell my husband, um, well, we're waiting to go out there. I said, Mike Shannon says I, I shouldn't go out there. He said, pitch from the flat part because, and Brian, my husband, says, you get out there. You will never have this chance again. You have one pitch to do this. I've seen you do this. Get out there. And I'm like, okay. So I trotted out there, and I wound up like he told me and stepped off the mound like he told me all the way, and I threw a strike. I painted the bottom corner. And Packy Naughton says to me, he goes, Whoa, that had some heat on it. I'm like, not bad for an old lady. And then he tweeted back at you too, Packy. He did. He, he confirmed it was a strike. It was indeed a strike. Uh, she's brassy. She's sassy. She's classy. Randy. And now appearing in the Cardinals bullpen. Yes. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind that she put up with a lot of crap uh, in the early days. I wasn't here those first few years that she was covering sports. But you're taking crap from some of the athletes for sure. You're... Taking crap from some other media members, for sure. Um, probably wasn't a lot of fun, but she persevered. And then, boy, the morning news, we had a news director at the time who said, you're going you're gonna to be way more popular if you're on the morning news. Everybody gets up and flips on their TV, and it turned out to be a great decision. Really highly rated show. She and John Pertzport have been teamed for years. I think they call each other their family, their TV wife, TV husband, that sort of thing, but... Long run on TV. I mentioned it earlier. She's still going to be doing a lot of work around town. RandyNaughton.com is her website. RandyNaughton.com. If you're looking for somebody to host an event, 
Get that sassy and brassy and bold lady for your next event. RandyNaughton.com. Kilcoin Conversation, always posted at scoopswithdannymac.com. Spotify, iTunes, all of our segments are available to you. And all of our conversations are presented by the great sponsors, Triad Bank, B&G Tuck Pointing, Appliance Discounters, and Marie Davila Senior Living. Check us out at scoopswithdannymac.com or subscribe. Get everything delivered directly to you. We appreciate everyone checking out all of our segments. And again, as my voice fades, it's Randy's homepage, randynaughton.com. We'll talk to you again soon.